Welcome Home, a podcast brought to you by John Houston Homes. Join hosts Chelsea Frazier and Whitney Pryor as they walk you through the exciting adventure of your home buying and building journey. Thank you, listeners, for joining us on today's episode of the Welcome Home podcast. I'm Whitney, and I have Chelsea here with me on this kind of cold, rainy day. How are you, Chelsea? I'm great. Now, when this comes out, hopefully it's not cold and rainy because oh, be, so. this will be a March episode, but we're probably sitting rainy. in January, cold <laughs> and not thinking uh, that it's going to be like still like this in a couple months, hopefully. Yes. And let's let's pray that there's not a freeze between now and then. Yes. <laughs> I'm not even going to think the word. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of which, we've got an awesome guest on today yes. that can actually touch on a little bit of that, but um, he's not a weatherman. So sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Chelsea, why don't you introduce us to the our next guest? Well, before I introduce our guest, um, just kind of a prequel for the next Mm, three, maybe four episodes. We're going to do kind of an outdoor living series. Yes. Yeah. So this mm-hmm. is this will be our first episode for the outdoor living series. And I'm excited to talk to this guest because I've called him and emailed him over the years, asking questions, kind of getting some best practices sheets together for our closing packets. And he's been so helpful, a wealth of information and knowledge and just a great partner with John Houston Homes. So today we're talking to Eric Savins. He's the regional manager for residential install with Garden Design. And we're going to talk to him about landscape and some watering 101. So just kind of kicking off our outdoor living series with some best practices, uh, basic information, and kind of some question answers to those commonly asked questions. So welcome to the show, Eric. Thank you so much for having me. Really appreciate being here. Absolutely. And we are your first podcast, hopefully the first of many. Yes, that would be great. We'd love to do it. (laughs) And garden design. So garden design is our landscaper. They install all of our landscaping in our homes, correct? Yes, ma'am. Okay, awesome. Well, can you tell us a little bit more uh, about what your role is and what you do with garden design? Absolutely. Um, so garden design has been around about 25 years. Oh, wow. Uh, I have been with the company for that amount of time. Oh. So I've done a lot of different things with the company. And currently my role is to oversee the operations for the builder install side of our work. We do work on commercial and on residential. And I oversee the operations for that side. So that's everything from meeting with our home building clients to set up budgets, uh, landscape packages, uh, overseeing the installs in different areas, and then any follow-up work that may be that may need to be done afterwards. Things such as warranty work or repairs after homeowners move in, anything to help the builder get to that final closing date, and then and then beyond. So it's a uh, it's it's challenging, but it's exciting and it's a lot of fun. Well, I didn't realize that Garden Design had been around that long. So you've worked with John Houston Homes, I'm sure, for many many years as well. I, I was thinking about it the other day, and I believe it's. Close to 10 to 12 years, we've been wow. a, a partner with y'all. Yep. That's great. Wow. So great. almost since the beginning, I would think, because yeah. we're, we're pretty, 2005. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. And and I actually misspoke. I meant to clarify. We've actually been around about 28 years. I've mm-hmm. been with Garden Design about 25, 25. years. Oh, yeah. wow. So sorry yeah. I misspoke there yeah. just a minute ago. Yeah, yeah. definitely clear that up because that's very impressive. <laughs> yeah, that is very impressive. So to kick off our episode, let's just start with what's included with my home when it comes to landscape. A lot of people ask that, and we know just from talking to you before that every city is a little bit different on what it requires, but do you think there's some basics that we could kind of go over there? I do. The The basics for any landscape package we would install for a John Houston homeowner 
are going to include some type of a shade tree, right? And, and that mm-hmm. number could vary, obviously, from city to city or whether they're one-acre lots or, or things like that. It'll include typically some type of an ornamental tree, which will be a smaller tree, typically framing the house on one side or the other. Mm-hmm. And then a collection of shrubs, which will include a, a larger background shrub and then maybe a slightly smaller shrub that would go in the front and then mulch to kind of protect everything. And then sod of different quantities, depending upon if it's a city or a county type lot, one acre lot. So with the trees, do homeowners get the option to choose a tree if they're like building from the ground up? Or is that something that is just decided by you guys? It has normally in the past been decided by us. Mm -hmm. However, I will get uh, occasionally either an email or a call from one of the sales reps Mm -hmm. for for John Houston or Mm -hmm. perhaps from the superintendent. Mm -hmm. Because a homeowner had specifically requested something. So okay. we will always try to accommodate that when we can, mm-hmm. uh, depending upon what's available at the time. Sure. And if someone's built, um, if someone's maybe not building a home, but purchasing a home that is under construction or almost move in ready, they can definitely give you guys a call after the fact if they wanted maybe a different tree installed. We can do that. We love those types of calls because we can be a little more creative with people after the fact. Mm-hmm. And so that gives us an opportunity to you know, to, to sell them something additional yeah. they want or mm-hmm. trade it out and make it more customized to what they might want. Sure. Sure. That's awesome. Yeah. I think that's great for people to know that they can make it a little bit more themselves. Like mm-hmm. if there's a specific type tree of tree like. or look, or like for me, I just always remember the tree that was in my aunt's front yard that we grew up playing in and climbing. And I'd always wish I had a tree like that. So just, you know, making it your own. The other thing that comes up too, is some People are have a they have a certain allergy to certain types of trees. So oh, if that's the case that. too, mm-hmm. if they just let somebody know, mm-hmm. you know, that can contact us, then we'll try to accommodate that to the mm-hmm. best of our ability. So that's not a comprehensive list. So definitely be sure you check with the sales manager or um, the superintendent, like you said, and just you know what's in that area or that city. But that kind of gives our listeners a good idea. So speaking of shrubbery and trees and things like that, I know right now on a lot of people's minds is the freeze. And even into March, we get some colder temperatures. And so um, the freeze from last year um, destroyed or, you know, really hurt the landscaping and something that we, you know, don't see very often, but every, you know, so many years, 10 years, whatever, uh, it'll happen. What are like some hardy um, shrubs or examples that you can give that can withstand some of those colder temperatures? So I would say that that freeze that we had back in 2021, that that was extraordinarily bad. Yes. And most of the things that we install will survive just the freezes that we even had last week, mm-hmm. that freeze was epic yeah. and it would and kill things that normally would never have an issue of surviving. Yeah. So it's kind of an exception to the rule. Mm-hmm. I would say that most of what we do provide are going to be things that will handle okay. your, your normal everyday type freeze that we have in North Texas. That's great to know. We use a lot of uh, hollies, different kinds of hollies, uh, dwarf Indian hawthorns, nandinas, and other plants that are similar to those that normally you would not see that type of damage from. Okay. Um, and the the trees, for the most part, will never really have an issue with that mm-hmm. unless it was a really, really late freeze, like mm-hmm. right before spring or when the tree was already beginning to bud out. And that could oh. cause a problem. Okay. Mm-hmm. But typically, if they're dormant, they're not going to have mm-hmm. an issue with that. Yeah. Is there any advice you can give uh, homeowners on how they might be able to protect their landscaping better? I would say that if they have some of the more tender type plants, like um, we don't actually install palm trees or 
agaves for the most part as part of a package. But if they purchase those from Home Depot or some other nursery, you can cover those with like a frost blanket Mm -hmm. or something like that or or protect the trunk like on a palm tree Mm -hmm. if it's a smaller one. And that typically will help them survive some of those freezes. But again, if it's if it's that bad, Mm -hmm. like what we had a few, you know, last year, that's Mm -hmm. it's nothing's going to really help. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Can trees be utilized to block a view that you may not like? Most like, definitely. Okay. Yeah. We we are often sometimes asked to do that if uh, perhaps a spec home, mm-hmm. which there aren't really many spec homes available right now, yeah. which is a great <laughs> problem to have. But yeah. if it had a maybe a two-story house behind it, we'll often be asked to put a tree there to help maybe block an upper window or something or a storage shed or something like that. So mm-hmm. we can help with that kind of stuff if it comes up, even if it's after closing, especially if a homeowner contacts us with that. That's great. Yeah. yeah. I think a lot of times people first think of a fence and you just can't do that whenever you're a little one story with a big two story behind you. So I think it's also it's so great to have landscaping that right. can really help you with that and looks beautiful and organic and mm-hmm. isn't really like a giant monstrosity to to block. Right. Yeah. yeah. There's no fence that's going to cover that. <laughs> that no, would be allowed. Not. No. Definitely not. <laughs> do you have any ideas? Ideas for backyard landscaping when you don't have much space? I would say the most commonly done landscaping, you know, with small spaces like that is to maybe not use a a large, like a huge oak tree or an elm tree or something that's going to get 40 or 50 feet tall. There are plenty of options in the smaller ornamental tree category, like red buds or desert willows or crepe myrtles even, because crepe myrtles can get 15, 18 feet tall, to use those sort of as an anchor maybe in one of the corners and then maybe have a, just a very small little bed just in front of that. So as long as you're not blocking your drainage, which is something to always keep in mind, you can have, you can soften a corner or provide a little shade spot without overpowering even a small backyard. So it's, it's all in choosing the, probably the the shade tree as an anchor or the ornamental Mm -hmm. tree as an anchor and then something smaller in front of that. Okay. That's great. That's nice. So um, I know you work with builders, um, but does garden design also work with homeowners after they move in as well to kind of maybe upgrade their packages or add in additional features? We do. We like the opportunity okay. to do that. And that's something we've been doing for a, a very long time. Mm-hmm. We're a full-blown uh, design and install company. So we have a full team of designers and salespeople that can actually meet with homeowners to give them a master plan uh, to be implemented in stages or to just do small beds or seasonal color, you know, little things like that too. Mm -hmm. So we can bring a lot to the table. We do work with uh, outdoor kitchens, you know, pergolas, all that type of work. We can, we can implement all that into someone's yard. That's great. And I'm sure even um, if someone decides to put in a pool, you probably can come in and give some great ideas for landscaping as well. We can. Usually there's some sod that would need to be fixed or repaired after the pool goes in. And then um, that's a great time to put landscaping in at the same time. Speaking of sod, I know, Whitney, you had a a really great question about that. Yes. Okay. So I don't think it's commonly known, but whenever a homeowner moves into their home, the sod can some, a lot of times it's overwatered, right? So that way it can, um, it can take root or I don't know the official terms, but you can probably explain this. Yeah. Depending upon the time of year, if it's in the summer, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, sod is a very highly perishable product. It's got Mm -hmm. a little small root system on it. Mm -hmm. And so in the summer, we really crank up the sprinklers when we first install the sod. It's not uncommon for them to be running two times a day, every day of the week. Mm -hmm. And, we try to back that down if, if the house still is not closed yet. 
mm-hmm. but we can't get to all the houses. So a lot of times people are moving in when the, when the, it's still watering that much. Yeah. It's really important for them to go ahead and begin to bring those times down because if the yard stays real soft, mm-hmm. anybody that walks on it, kids, dogs, a trade coming to do a repair, they're going to, they're going to leave footprints wherever they go. So yes. it's, it's important to, to bring those times down to make it where the, the sod begins to firm up and you can actually mow it without leaving ruts all over the yard too. Right. And so when you guys actually install the sod, there's something that you guys do and it's called rolling the sod, I think. Um, and it basically just flattens it and makes sure that, you know, it's as even as possible yep. um, and that everything's kind of like sticking together. Um, but that you guys are not the last trade or crew that goes to that house. So sometimes whenever we're watering a lot and there's still crews coming in after that sod is rolled out and flattened, um, they, there will be ruts in the, in the yard or things that, that can happen, right? That's correct. And so you guys can actually come back after the fact. If a homeowner is moved in and they feel like they just, you know, really, um, they're still watering a lot and they want to have their yard flattened out some more, they can call you guys to come out and do that for you as a service, right? We can do that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's generally more effective if it hasn't gotten too far past the time that the sod was first installed, okay. because eventually that yard will settle. Mm-hmm. And once it starts to settle, there's not a whole lot of give to it mm-hmm. anymore, even mm-hmm. if you crank the water really, really high. Mm-hmm. So you need a little bit of still give to the to the soil. And eventually, sometimes uh, you'll develop low spots uh, where some of the sprinkler trenches may have been and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. Initially, sod can be rolled and that can be helped. But if it gets too far, you may get to a point where you may have to have some soil brought in to fill in some of those low spots that mm-hmm. have maybe sunk a little bit more. Okay. But if it's done pretty timely, it can make a difference. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I, I wasn't sure if a lot of people knew that that was something that they actually do whenever their the sod is laid. So that's really great tip. We wish that we were the very, very last ones there, <laughs> but oftentimes that's just not the case. And, right. And the other thing that will impact that will be the type of soil. As you know, in Waxahachie and Midlothian, some areas are extremely rocky. And it's almost impossible to get it back to the way that it was before, but uh, rolling will help. And we do it again at the time of install. But if they contact us, you know, after they've closed, if they're still having problems, um, you know, for a small fee, we can we can arrange to have it re-rolled for them. Okay. Yep. That's great information to to have for sure. Yeah. Very helpful. Okay. So can we talk about some best practices for your landscape and sod? Because I think for some homeowners, it's maybe their first home with a sprinkler system or maybe the yard's a different size than they were used to either moving up or down from a one acre lot. Um, so, or they're totally new to this crazy Texas weather because mm-hmm. we <laughs> are having a lot of people move in from out of state. So um, can we kind of cover some sure, of those things? Absolutely. Yeah, I'm so excited about this part because I have a John Houston home and that sprinkler system box. I'm like, this looks like Star Trek control panel. I don't know how to use this. Like what? I don't know. I don't know what to do and and how to how to work it. So I'm sure I'm not the only one. No, <laughs> they can be a bit intimidating at first, but once you start playing around with it, they're mm-hmm. really not that bad. Yeah. And and there's a ton of information on you know, on the internet about how to work them or mm-hmm. how to program them. But mm-hmm. um, the, the sprinkler system can be your best friend or your worst enemy. It really all depends upon how you use it. And they're not meant to be a set it once and never look at it again, kind of an implement. They're really meant to be a, a tool, right? To assist you in taking care of your, of your yard. Um, I tell people, and I kind of coach them. Initially, you'll, you'll fiddle with it more as you, right after you move into the house and as you kind of learn, 
um, maybe the best times to water or kind of how much water you're using. But eventually, honestly, the, the best way they can be used is to is to keep them off and only really water when you need to, or if you know you're going to be on vacation or something like that, mm-hmm. then you know that you're giving it the right amount of water. Um, but uh, you want to just make sure the most important thing is to is to dial those, again, like we talked about a minute ago, dial those times way back so you're not overwatering. Mm-hmm. Because too much water actually kills more plants and trees than underwatering. As hard as that is to believe, because the soil stays saturated, mm-hmm. and those literally those things can't breathe, just like we can't breathe if we're underwater. Okay. Yeah. Do you feel like you've heard a million times, well, I don't know why it died. I, I was watering it every day. That's exactly what <laughs> <Yeah>. I hear. <laughs> and oftentimes at the beginning, if a, a plant or a tree begins to decline, it can look really similar if it's not enough water or too much. Mm-hmm. And the natural response, and I understand that, is just to give them a water if something yeah. turns brown. But typically if it's turning brown and the leaves are, are clinging to the tree or to the shrub, it's usually too much water. And it needs to be backed off as soon as possible. It's it's a lot easier to add more water to something that's dry than it is to get something that's already wet to dry out. So yeah. that's kind of the way to think about it. That's good advice. Yeah. That's why all my houseplants are dead. <laughs> Too <laughs> much love. Water. That is actually very true on houseplants especially. <laughs> usually um, if, you, if you keep a program on your controller for usually about the first year after that, you can probably move it more to a, um, a system where you just keep it off. And you mm-hmm. just run it manually whenever you think that you need it. And usually in a, on an established yard, um, once or twice a week for grass mm-hmm. is is plenty for Bermuda grass. Okay. It, it's it's fairly drought tolerant mm-hmm. um, as long as you're thoroughly watering it when you do water it. And it can survive through some serious heat yeah. and still be fine. Yeah. And it's especially true of the people with the acre lots mm. because that's a lot of grass for them to be watering. Yeah. And, and water yeah. is very expensive. Yes. What about um, newly sodded areas? So the it depends upon the time of year, mm-hmm. right? Uh, in the summertime, we're going to set that controller initially for probably every day, twice a day, or at least every day, once a day for sure. And I would say that needs to be maintained for at least a few weeks. And then it can be brought down to about four times a week and, and probably three times a week in the summertime for a new yard. If it's in the winter, probably don't need to do it more. We'll only set it for maybe three or four days a week because it just takes that much longer for it to dry out. Yeah. So, and then once they move in and they've been in for a few weeks or a month, again, they can probably turn it down to once or twice a week at the most. We do have a lot of people moving up from out of state that aren't used to Bermuda grass. So can you kind of touch on that? Like I know in the winter it just dies completely, right? And then it just pops back up or it's dormant. It turns, I should say that. It turns dormant. <laughs> okay. It'll go completely brown, usually yeah. after the first or second freeze of the of the beginning part of winter. Mm-hmm. And it will begin to slowly green up probably in April. Okay. Yeah. yeah. If it hasn't greened up, you know, by say May, there may be some other issues going on. Maybe we had a late freeze or something like that. Like we had last year too, if it was extremely harsh, mm-hmm. but typically by April, you'll start to see flecks of green coming up in it. Okay. And, and it can look like it's completely dead, but if you, if you try to tug on it or kind of, kind of rub your hand through it, you can see little green runners down there. And that mm-hmm. that's a good sign to know that your grass is still alive and doing okay. Okay. Oh, yeah. That's good to know. That's great. Yep. Yeah. What if someone doesn't like their yard looking brown in the winter? What are some options for them that you might suggest? <laughs> so <laughs> Spray paint. <laughs> well, that actually is an option. Okay. <laughs> uh, a lot of home builders have actually done that for their model homes. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'll either usually oversee the yard with uh, ryegrass, right? Mm-hmm. And that's usually done in September or October, kind of okay. depend upon the temperature range. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, spray painting has actually become yeah. a pretty popular option. It, yeah. it doesn't look as cool or as good, in my opinion, as a 
actual overseeded yes. yard that's been taken care of. Yeah. But it can be a great option because you do have to mow it in mm-hmm. the winter if you've overseeded it. And mow, yes. some people don't want to mow when it's, you know, 40 degrees outside. Right. Or still watering. Yeah. So. We do get that question a lot. People call in and they're like, What? grass is in your model home. It's so beautiful. And I'm like, well, they overseed it with rye. And, um, but I do know there's some people that enjoy getting that break of not having to mow their yard in the winter or, you know, save on, um, not hiring someone to mow their yard. So there are definitely advantages to Most not definitely. doing that, but it is a beautiful yard. I mean, it looks like just a plush carpet in oh, the yeah. backyard with it, the, the it, rye. If it's done right and maintained properly, it can mm-hmm. look Quite beautiful, actually. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So that's also an option if you don't like the brown Bermuda. (laughs) Okay. Y'all both obviously know what overseeding the yard means, but I'm a little bit lost. So are you literally putting grass on top of grass? So overseeding. So ryegrass is only grown by seed. So typically that process, the way it works is the the existing Bermuda lard is scalped, bagged up, all the clippings are put in bags, and then you'll spread, literally spread rye seed all over it. And eventually that rice seed, after about 14 days, you water it a lot, will start to germinate. So it is grass growing in grass, but it's uh, ryegrass can't take the, the heat. So once spring rolls around in early summer, you start scalping it again, that ryegrass all dies, and then the Bermuda comes back through. Oh, wow. That it, is it can so only survive cool. in, in the cooler seasons of the year. Okay. So it's almost like hair extensions for your yard. <laughs> Yeah. That'd be an interesting way to look at it, but yes, that's true. (laughs) It's like a chia pet. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Okay. I don't think we touched on tree bubblers. Is that something we Mm -hmm. should give some recommendations on? So this would be true actually for the sprinkler system to have your trees, your sod and your plants eventually all on their own programs. We don't initially set it up that way because we don't want to overcomplicate things for, for new homeowners, but the tree bubblers especially can be put on their own program because they only need water probably only about once a week oh. after they kind of get established. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it, it's very easy to set multiple times and, and stations and programs up, but it's not a bad idea to have your sod plants on another and your trees all on their own. Cause they all need different types of water, or different amounts of water. That's correct. Yeah. As they begin to mature and eventually trees don't need any additional water. The tree bubblers are only meant to help them get established. Mm-hmm. Eventually, Rain takes care of whatever needs they have Okay. after a couple of years. So I know some people, they add in additional landscaping after the fact, or maybe around their trees. Maybe they add like brick pavers or whatever and build that up and do some plants around the trees. Do the tree bubblers, will they water those plants that are around there or do they only water the tree root system? The, the tree bubblers are intended only to water the tree and the okay. tree roots. Typically the way the irrigator will set up the irrigation system is it'll get overspray into Mm -hmm. that area. So if they do decide to put a bed or something around a tree, it will get covered Mm -hmm. by the sprinklers that are, were initially watering the grass. Gotcha. Okay. Um, And that is true. A lot of people will do bed just as a quick kind of note and sort of a caution. It's really, Mm -hmm. really important to make sure that when people do build up around a tree or put a bed around it, that they're not raising the level of the soil on the actual trunk itself, because eventually that will kill a tree over time. Okay. So, so the tree needs a, to breathe at tree's the root system. Breathe. Yeah. Okay. You typically want to see, we put a little mulch ring around the trees as part of the initial install to help retain moisture and water while it's establishing, but you don't want to build soil up on the actual trunk of the tree itself. So if you put a brick planter or stone planter, you don't want to raise the soil all the way across where you're raising the, 
on the trunk, you know, two, three, four sure. inches. Yeah. Gotcha. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah, that's good to know. And then, so speaking on that, the uh, different pavers or rocks around trees or around the flower beds, that is something that a homeowner can consult with you on if they were wanting to add those additional features. Cause I've seen them in my neighborhood, which is a, a John Houston neighborhood. Um, lots of homeowners come in after the fact and add the rock and uh, landscaping rock and things like that to just give it that extra appeal. We can do all that type of work. Great. Whether it's just a dry mm -hmm. stack where the stones are just on top of one another, but, mm -hmm. and also a mortared option where they're actually mortared in place with the footer to kind of keep them from shifting too much or mm -hmm. steel edging. There's multiple options that, you mm -hmm. know, budget friendly, either sure. way you go. Eric, you've been a wealth of information and knowledge. We can't thank you enough, not just for today, but all the times that we call you and ask you questions and, and get your uh, consultation. So we just want to thank you again for coming. Thank you all so much for having me. Really yes. appreciate it. Thank you listeners for joining us on today's episode of the Welcome Home Podcast. If you have questions about your landscaping uh, needs, we will definitely put uh, Eric's information and Garden Designs information where they can be reached in the podcast show notes. You can also reach John Houston Homes at 866 298 1416 or visit our website at jhoustonhomes.com for more ideas, tips, and tricks. Thank you again for listening in today on the Welcome Home Podcast. Welcome, Welcome home. home.